1: It's a Thursday on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, and that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man, my co-host, Tom Ryle, and your boy, Roy White, at rw 3 on Twitter. Of course, Tom, at Tom Ryle, BTB on the social media sphere, there on the Twitter sphere. And, of course, you can follow the podcast at Blogging the Boys. You can get all the great content from the Blogging the Boys network, powered by SB Nation, and never a shortage of topics to discuss when the Cowboys are concerned. We get news for the week, Tom, to kind of kick us off. Before we get into the preview against the Minnesota Vikings and the first look at what I believe will be the, First real test the Cowboys have faced since perhaps the first week of the season. I'd like to recap a little bit of what we've learned this week, especially since the first day of the week. Typically, news-wise, comes on a Wednesday. We got that news just yesterday, and there were a couple of things that we need to get into. So first and foremost, I think the number one headline, Dak Prescott out of a walking boot but working on the side's and working his way into practice on, you know, a certain type of basis. So he's doing individual drills on the side and then working in as well. As we said kind of last week in regards to this injury, I was at a two. I'm at a one now. I don't even really consider it to be a concern at all. Um, The only factor that might be concerning is if he were to re-aggravate that in the game itself in some capacity. But for now, He's going to play. You should have no worries about Dak Prescott and what he's going to be available to do on Sunday night.
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely true. Uh, and as, as David Hellman pointed out, nobody was a, did not participate. Uh, there were limiteds. But that's usually a very good sign for people being ready to go by game day. So, you know, Dak Prescott falls in that. He was throwing the ball. And it was kind of exciting to see who was catching some of his passes out there, too, because another player is looking like he's getting ready to get back on the field soon. That's Michael Gallup.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to mention the tight end, Sean McEwen. Who's also yeah. <laughs> returning and maybe kept yeah. some passes, but Dak Prescott. Oh, but I, but Michael Gallup. Yeah. I do remember
2: him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, I'm. And, and one of the things we have to say with all the people coming back from IR, they've got, as you said, there's like a three week window. Uh, once they're designated to return, they can be brought back at any time, but it, it's good because it allows the team a chance to make sure they're ready. And the Cowboys are in such a position of luxury because uh, the depth, uh, as I mentioned on the live stream uh, that went up yet on Tuesday with uh, RJ and Tony Catalina and uh, Danny Phantom, The depth is the thing that really turned my head around about the Cowboys. I was so worried about their depth after what happened last year. This year, I think they have some of the best depth in the league, because look at how the, look at the names we're going to run down here. And look, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence and Neville Gallimore are still on IR. They haven't even been scheduled. They don't have a projection on coming back and yet the team sits here at five and one it's got a firm grasp grasp on the control of the nfc east yeah this is this is a great situation to have and and that's just you know there's more names to come
1: yeah you mentioned talk about Gallup obviously coming back i mentioned the tight end sean McEwen, really the third tight end more of a blocking tight end than a pass catcher but we'll see how the cowboys utilize them uh and whether or not he even suits up this week and i actually think he probably stays uh, on IR. As you mentioned, the 21-day activation is really the 21-day window when they have to either bring you back or place you on season-ending IR. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the 21 window has begun for the likes of Michael Gallup, for the likes of McEwen, for the likes of Kelvin Joseph, who many Cowboys fans are extremely excited to see because we haven't really gotten a taste of Kelvin Joseph since we saw him in just a half of a preseason game, if that. And so Mm this will be an opportunity for boss man fat to make a name for himself potentially against a wide receiving core that is arguably the second or third best wide receiving core. The Cowboys have faced up to this point.
2: Yeah. uh, And they, they still don't have to bring him on to take a lot of snaps uh, but they can work him in and start seeing how it goes. So, yeah, he is – I think we're going to see his contributions grow gradually. I don't think they're going to rush him in. Because Do you think they'll I dress said,
1: him this weekend?
2: That's a good question, uh, you know, because that's another way around it. You've got to have the inactives every week. Uh, so some of these guys may just be their inactives – so they can get, you know, a week of practice then get another week of practice, but they have them back and they know that they're available. They uh, said so the Cowboys have tremendous flexibility. Uh, it's not like you see where teams are trying to figure out, should we rush this guy back on the field because we're bleeding in that particular position group? Uh, so, yeah, I, I would like to see them dress him. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would like to see them, have have Gallup on the field. I would like him to go out, uh, you know, maybe have Noah Brown as your inactive, although Noah's really valuable on special teams, uh, but do something to get Gallup out there to get him a couple of reps, uh, not necessarily have him take the third most snaps as a wide receiver. Uh, maybe let Cedric Wilson still carry that load, but let Gallup get a few uh, reps out there, start getting a feel for how it is, and who knows, maybe you know, he comes out on the second series and Dak hits him for a 35-yard pass down the sideline, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, oh no, You stay out there, stay out there, <laughs> yeah, because he may he may be able to pick up. That happens sometimes. Uh, another player, guy I sometimes think of as the forgotten man uh, that's coming back from P-U- PUP, which the rules are a little bit different, but basically we're in the same situation, is Tristan Hill. Uh, he... You know, he, he, he was looking pretty good last year before he was injured. Now he's finally, after a year uh, off the field, he's got a chance to come back. And if he's doing well, uh, you know, the defensive tackle group has done all right, let's say. You know, Osia Digazua has been wonderful. Outstanding. As a uh, but- Gallimore was good
1: before he got yeah. hurt, but obviously that injury yeah. is a significant one.
2: But it'd be nice to see if maybe Tristan Hill comes in. And that you know brings up an interesting thing because there was all this talk about, well, who do they have to release? What do they have to do? Those problems have a tendency to take care of themselves, and they did for the Cowboys because look who they added to the IR list this week. Cornerback Maurice Kennedy, who is the obvious place to plug in Kelvin Joseph, and defensive tackle Brent Urban, which opens a hole for Tristan Hill. I I hate to see Urban out because he's been a real – he's been one of those blue-collar, doing the grunt work in the trenches kind of guys, and I'm I'm hoping he will be back That they'll have a way to get him back on the field in the latter half of the season, but – there's no there's no roster juggling really required. You just plug one in, one in, and you've got two of you guys on the field. Uh, you know, you still got to, to figure out what to do about Michael Gallup. Uh, you know, and then there's the guy that's really been generating a lot of discussion because of some interesting things Mike McCarthy said. Yeah, he's been out for a
1: while, but not because of any type of injury. Um, we're, of course, talking about one Lyle Collins, who mm-hmm. – Notably, is not being handed back his starting job by Mark M- Mike McCarthy, who basically said in a press conference on Wednesday, Lyle's going to get to work back in and we're going to work him in a little bit at guard. Is that us reading too much into that? Is that Mike McCarthy sending a message to Lyle Collins that he's not just going to slide back into his old job? Or is that, hey, we're going to try him out at guard to see if we have any flexibility there to see where we might be able to play him if, you know, we're able to sustain or, or not sustain any significant injuries on this offensive line. Right. We want to have that versatility, but in mm. the end when we put our best five out there, why Collins is going to be the right tackle.
2: Yeah, it may be a little of all of that. Um, part of it may just to make sure that Collins is ready to go. I know he's been staying in shape and everything, but even do you know just, that? <laughs> do you know that he, based on his history? That I'm basing that on what is coming out from the people that see him there. Supposedly, he's working out. Uh, do we trust him to be in that good of a shape? Mm, maybe Mike McCarthy is considering that, but maybe that's part of what he said. I think it's a little of all of this. Uh, you know, McCarthy is. I think the message that just because you're the you were the starter before uh, doesn't mean you're going to automatically get the job back, especially if there are so many black marks, you know, against uh, against Collins. You know, he's as I keep saying, he's played one game out of the last twenty-two. Uh, you know, that's hard to believe. Little... I
1: was actually stunned when I previewed your article that you wrote about that. I... One in his last 22, I thought that can't be right. And sure enough, holy
2: smokes. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, he needs to prove something. Uh, And, you know, he may take an extra week of practice or so until he's proven that to the staff. And I like that message for the whole roster. There are very few other players that would have the question mark in your head that Collins brings. But... I, I love it. Somebody compared this and said, "You wanted coaches that were more like Jimmy Johnson?" Well, here you go. That's a standard. That that's something you could see coming from Jimmy. If some guy's in his doghouse, he's going to let him know he's in the doghouse. And uh, you know, the other thing is that McCarthy has kind of had had a, he kind of had a history in Green Bay of cross training his offensive linemen so that he had an ability to shuffle them around a bit, which is. You know, I think something that if you can make it work, it's a great thing to have. I can't complain about that at all.
1: I think it should be standard practice, to be honest with you. I I think it should be standard that these guys learn how to play both left. Like if you play tackle, you should at least be capable at both tackle spots. Same yeah. thing at guard. And now, I know guys being right handed or left handed makes a difference. Right. That makes a significant yeah. difference for some, especially when you're talking about a punch and an ability to like reset yourself. Yeah. But I I still strongly believe that's how I would work it. Right. I wouldn't have them spend all their time in one particular position because you never know when you're going to have to shuffle around. And you want to know who you can shuffle where when the time comes.
2: Yeah, and most teams are going to go fairly light on backup offensive linemen on their game day roster. Uh, So, yeah, this is a great way to have uh, an ability to adjust and adapt on the fly, and I like that. And I hope to see Collins back at right tackle and playing well because I think just from a pure talent and ability basis, he's the best option they have. But once again, I don't think there's a rush. Terrence still has done a really, really good job. Uh, he's not great. You know, yeah, he's, he's, he exceeded our expectations, but that doesn't make him an all pro right tackle. Collins has that potential. Uh, and, you know, he's the, what he's got to do now is get back on the field and play up to some of his potential. So
1: it sounds uh, like we both do agree though, that McCarthy is doing the right thing. From the standpoint, not only from a competitiveness standpoint, but also from a a messaging standpoint. If there's any message to be sent there, that's, I think, the appropriate one to send to a player that has had issues.
2: Yeah, I think it's perfect. I, I, I appreciate that. And it's, you know, just one of the things that. I've. All, I think that McCarthy's not getting the credit he deserves, and I think this is another thing in his plus column. Yeah, he's got some flaws. He does some things kind of weirdly, but I was going to say you might be
1: getting egged at some point in the near future. You keep praising Mike McCarthy <laughs> like this. That's why my address is not published. <laughs> <laughs> you can hit him up at Tom Ryle B T B on Twitter, and uh, yeah, vir- hit him with a big emoji.
2: Yeah, virtual egging is a lot easier to clean up. So <laughs> I don't want <laughs> coming after. I don't to want buy want coming after my new pickup, man. So uh, the uh, but yeah, this is uh, one of the things that we've been saying for the past several weeks is just imagine when they start getting these players back. Well, folks, they're getting the players back coming out of the buy, and as you have mentioned uh, in getting our our, our prep ready. This could be an important game.
1: How important? We still will wait to find out. And I'm not 100% sure of what type of team they're getting when they face the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night. But I do know that they'll be in a somewhat hostile environment in prime time against a team who kind of desperately needs a victory. With the Vikings coming in at 3-3, and it would appear – The Cowboys have the advantage, and yet for some reason, well, not for some reason, for many, many reasons, I look at this Vikings team and I say, is this the most talented team they have played since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And I think it might be. I think they're right up there with the Los Angeles Chargers. Now the Chargers have the better quarterback, but do they have the better core surrounding that quarterback? Yeah. And I would argue that Kirk Cousins' supporting cast – is probably slightly better than what Herbert had in Los Angeles.
2: Yeah, I'd argue that Herbert is a quarterback that elevates his roster. Yes. Cousins is a quarterback whose roster elevates him. Uh, And and as you were saying, they haven't played a team with a winning record since the Chargers game. And they've only played, well, excuse me, I forgot, the Panthers, but we all know that was just a mirage. Yeah, uh, the Panthers were not in mean, the team that's going to get
1: swept by the NFC East.
2: Yeah, that's just stunning, uh, given how bad the rest of the NFC East is. Hmm. But, um, you know, outside of that. Uh, yeah, this is the first 500 team they've really, I think, gone up against. Uh, I guess uh, they played the who they play in the third week was that the Eagles game. No, this is the only.
1: I mean, this is the only team, and this is a team that needed overtime to beat the Panthers. Their wins against the Lions, the Seahawks, and then their losses: a one-point loss against the Cardinals, a three-point loss against the Bengals, a seven-point loss against the Browns. So, yeah, it, it's weird because the teams that they lost to, I say, okay, well, Bengals, top of the AFC yeah. North. Challenging for, you know, uh, their first AFC playoff berth in a while. Uh, The Browns, not a superpower, but a formidable opponent, right? A respectable opponent. And the Cardinals, who might be the best team in the NFC, the only undefeated team remaining, who really should have lost that game to Minnesota, Mm -hmm. were it not for an incredibly horrible missed field goal by the Vikings as time expired. And so... This is a team that could very well be five and one. Also, if some things went their way, they didn't go their way. And so their only wins are against teams that also don't look very strong. And so, again, it leaves me in a place where I'm not sure exactly what the Vikings are. But thankfully, I've got a co-host by the name of Tom. (laughs) And if you don't know what Tom does. Tom does a fantastic job of breaking down the opponents and how they stack up against the Dallas Cowboys. And he's done that again this week with another great article comparing the two. So, Tom, what did you find in regards to how the Cowboys stack up to the Vikings outside of what the record and the opponents suggest?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I'm. I thank you for the compliment, although I don't consider myself a guy that breaks them down. I just got to – I decided that with the bye week, I wanted to look at some – you know, look a little bit deeper and actually go, you know, shallow and then go a little deeper. And the shallow look was trying to look at how the two teams stack up just in volume stats, you know, things like yards per game and points and that stuff. And the Cowboys clearly have the better offense, you know, because – if you're not aware, uh, when you look at yards per game and points per game, the Dallas Cowboys are number one in the National Football League.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, they're, you know, say it again. They are number one in the National Football League. Uh, but we knew that they had the potential to do that. We're just finding out Dak is that good. Even if you take away one of his top three uh, wide receiving targets for several weeks.
1: Well, what is the Um, real re by the way, though, real quick, like quick side note on that is the real reason that they're the number one offense in the NFL because of how good their running game has been and how consistent their running game has been.
2: That, you know, that may very well be true.
1: Um, And, And I'm not a big running game guy. I understand it, right? I get the argument that running backs don't matter, and I co-sign that argument for the most part. But having said that, when I look at the efficiency of the Dallas Cowboys and I look at what they've done in the run game, and now, again, maybe that's a byproduct of just having big leads and then being able to you know, put them away with the run game. But to me, it's not about the balance of the offense. It's just about the fact that, as you mentioned, they are the number one yardage team in the NFL on a per game basis, and they are the number one points per game team in the NFL.
2: So, yeah. and the uh, the truth is, if you just look at the raw stats, they're a better running team than they are passing team uh, because they're second in the league in running yards, and they're you know they're only fifth best in passing, which. It's kind of that flip side of how quarterbacks will wind up, you know, with those garbage time stats when they're behind and they're trying to catch up or Mm -hmm. the other team is just playing that soft defense like the Cowboys have done a few times. When you're ahead and winning comfortably, you just start feeding the run more. But I'll also argue that the Cowboys have had some very good first halves running the ball. That's been part of establishing their lead. They're getting, they're not winding up with, with second seven after they run the ball. They're winding up with second two or second three. And that completely changes what you can do offensively. Uh, the Vikings are still a good offensive team as far as yards. Uh, you know, they're fifth in the league, but they're very middle of the pack in points per game. They move well between the 20s. They don't score well. They may be having have an even bigger issue with red zone offense than the Cowboys have, uh, which is the one real wart on the Cowboys offense. Uh, you know, and so the Cowboys are scoring almost 10 points a game more than the Vikings. Uh, so that look says to me that we just need the defense to do what it's been doing the Cowboys' defense has has given up a lot of yards again. Garbage time stats may play into that. Mm-hmm. They've given up quite a few points, but you know they're still outscoring all their opponents by ten points. Well, gosh, that would put me that we could expect Minnesota possibly come in and do exactly the same, and the Cowboys cruise to a, a ten point win. Uh, that's just what the raw numbers say. Uh, defensively, the Vikings are a little bit higher up, but they're still very middle of the package. And that's a funny thing about offenses and defenses that we've talked about several times before. Offense tends to be more stable uh, week to week on production. Defense effectiveness for teams tends to go up and down Based on the quality of the offense that they're stacked up against, and that kind of came out when I went a little deeper to look at at, at things because you know uh, I did want to say that when you look at at the uh, you know the the position groups on offense, you know Prescott and Cousins are very close as far as their yards per game, although Dak averages about a yard more per attempt, which is a good thing. Uh, uh, but Cousins only has two interceptions so far. You know, Trayvon Diggs is going to have his work cut out for him if he's going to keep that streak going. But we'd love to see that happen. We just know that turnovers are not always a sustainable stat. Uh, the Cowboys have the best one-two punch at running back. The Vikings have a decent one uh, with Dalvin Cook and their second running back. You know, their uh, Madison, I believe, is his the name. They they're they're solid, but they don't compared to what, what Zeke and Tony are doing. Wide receivers, as you said, they are probably the strongest, one of the strongest wide receiving groups that the Cowboys have faced. Uh, not bad at all. Uh, I think the Cowboys still get the edge. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper because one of the you – know, I kept mentioning garbage-type stats, how that can throw things off. So I went to a a site called Football Outsiders, which has a thing called the DVOA rating, and I won't try to explain that in detail because it's real wonky and math-heavy and all that stuff. But basically, it tries to rate the value of each play based upon the game situation. There, you know, you get a lot more if you if you uh, convert a first down on. You know, third and four, when you are tra- trailing by three and trying to take the lead, then you do if you are ahead by 14 or behind by 17. It's just not as valuable. You see, do you understand what I'm saying? That, that makes sense. sense of, okay. Oh, yeah. If you go to, to uh, Football Outsiders, they've got an explanation of how they calculate all this stuff, and it is a free site. Uh, even if you don't sign up as a free member, you can read the explanations on all this stuff if you're really curious. But they've come up with some numbers that historically are pretty good predictors of future success in the NFL, and that's what got my attention. And right now how it looks, uh, the Cowboys overall – have the fifth best DVO, DVOA numbers in the league. Minnesota's at 12th. That to me is a very, that's a, that's a good advantage. Uh, Now they also include special teams and stuff, which kind of throws things off. So some of the numbers you, you have to go in and dig in to figure out why is that where they stack up again, Cowboys are third in offensive DVOA. And Minnesota's 12th. So once again, you're talking a top five team versus a second 10 team, which is good. Now, defensively was to me very encouraging because if you look at raw stats, the, the Cowboys come in somewhere in the, you know, the, the you know 20 to 25 range in the league overall. If you go to DVOA, which is the value of the stop, which basically says, If you're up by 17 and you let the other team score a long touchdown with a minute and a half left to go in the game, that doesn't count as much against you because it doesn't affect the outcome. And on the defensive DVOA, the Cowboys are 10th in the league. If they have the, you know, third ranked offense and the 10th or the third best offense, and the 10th best defense, if these numbers are valid, that's, That's a super a formula bowl formula. For win. You have that formula for winning a lot of games. The, the, the Vikings are considered the sixth best in DVOA. Again, though, how much of that is affected by who they're up against. But more importantly, defense is you know, their defense is good, but it's paired with a kind of a bit above mediocre offense you know, the Cowboys are looking at a very good offense and a good solid defense that, yeah, I I'll take that formula every time. So this is, this is a good indicator and, and they also break down another thing called DYAR. Uh, again, they've got the explanations, but that's how they value, rate individual people. Um, uh, the Cowboys have a narrow advantage there. Prescott is third, Cousins is six, but Elliott and Pollard again fifth and sixth in the league. Yeah, you know, which is again the best one-two punch anyone has. Uh, the, the The Vikings are down below twenty with their running backs. Their their wide the wide receivers stack up similar, similarly. And a surprising thing was when I dove in, because they look at tight ends. They rate Dalton Schultz as the second best overall tight end of the league behind only Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is, I think, wow. An, he is an unheralded strength of this offense. And, you know, if you just look at it across the board, Dallas has the advantage. We've got advantage, advantage, advantage. If the Cowboys play the way they played the first six games of the season, what, what this says to me is if they play the way they did the first six games of the season, they should win. It, they've just got so many advantages. And as I said, the thing that I like about what Football Outsiders is they've shown that these numbers historically have been decent indicators of future success. So I think this could be a very good game for the Cowboys. Uh, You know, I've, I've, you know, the article should be up shortly after this uh, goes live as a podcast, I believe. And, you know, if you want to go in and and read a little bit more and follow the links and take a look at stuff, if you like the numbers, if you're a little bit of a nerd, it's good. And the, uh, the thing is, it doesn't, disagree with some of the things that come out of the raw stats it actually just clarifies and makes a stronger point you know is that confirming my priors maybe but i really am kind of i'm optimistic about this i you know i just you know the only the only thing that you have to worry about is are the cowboys going to kind of come into this a little overconfident sleeping on it. Once again, I trust Mike McCarthy and his coaches to make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, when I look at this game and and the Cowboys' uh, expectations, right, they are the better team. And I do think this is a game they should win. Now, will they have a fifth straight game of scoring at least 35 points? Um, I think that's possible. But this just feels like one of those games to me that catches them a little bit off balance. Um, It's a team that's good enough to do some damage against you. And really the other part that, that still scares me is we don't really know if the Cowboys have shored up their run defense. And the reason we don't know it is because they've only played one game in which the score was close enough where the other team could reasonably run the football. In all of the last four games that they've played, by the third quarter, for the most part, except for against New England, who, by the way, was able to run against them a little bit, sec for against New England, all those games were in hand midway through the third quarter. So can the Minnesota Vikings do enough? You know, if they played 10 times in a row, I'd probably have the Cowboys winning seven or eight of those games. Yes. But I'll
2: say.
1: Yeah, one one game where they lose the turnover battle two to nothing could be the difference. And I just have a feeling that this might be that that type of game.
2: Yeah, it's I don't think this is one we should just automatically chalk up. As a win, I think it's one the Cowboys should win. And I think what you just said about the running game is one of the reasons why the arguments that some people have about leaving Micah Parsons as an edge rusher is not the way to go, because I think he's tremendous, a tremendous help in the run game with his speed and the football savvy he's already demonstrating as a rookie. And you want to have him at linebacker if you want to make sure you're not going to get gashed in the run.
1: Well, Tristan Hill might be time for you to suit up after all of of those four coming back real quickly. How many of them suit up? I think Gallup. And I yeah, boy with Hill and Joseph. I I feel like it's a toss up. I could absolutely see them holding them both for another week. I think there's a slightly better chance for Joseph. Because Kennedy just went on I you know just what I I on IR but that same argument could be made for Tristan Hill and Brent Urban. So I just think yeah. I expect to see Gallup. I'm kind of expecting to see Boss Man and Tristan next week.
2: You think they're gonna skip, let them sit another week? I think week, they Brent? will. I think they're gonna have them sit one week. Probably have them as inactives. Yeah. I which I could see. I think I think Collins will definitely suit up.
1: Oh yeah, Collins. Collins is an injured. So get your ass out there. Yeah, like it's time. Yeah. time. Yeah, time, to, uh, time to make an impact. In fact, if you want to, maybe throw Collins in as a fullback where you had Connor Williams and and let let him go nuts. Right?
2: What do you mean, Connor McGovern?
1: McGovern. Excuse me. Yeah, my apologies. Yeah, I would. One of the
2: I uh, yeah, I I love that idea, and I hope however they the things stack up with the the backups on the offensive line, they keep doing that. Like, let's say if uh, if, if Terrence Steele becomes the uh, swing tackle or one of the swing tackles because technically Tyronciki is too, I could see them maybe letting Steele try that once or twice. You know, I just love the idea of a big offensive lineman leave blocking and i'm dying to see the day that they line up like that and the team gets ready and tries to figure out how to get around him to get to uh, Elliott, and they just hand him the ball and he goes through and they don't even realize it <laughs>
1: yeah either they hand him the ball or they send him out on a swing route and no one covers no one bothers covering him because they see an offensive lineman or yeah and they, like an offensive and- lineman and they don't bother
2: And they tall, too. They can go up and catch yeah,
1: Man, that'd be fun to (laughs) see. Well, a lot of excitement. Again, um, you know, I I guess if I'm making a pick for this week, since I kind of already revealed it, I will say I think the Vikings wind up winning this game 34-31. I think the Cowboys still score 30, but something funny is going to happen, right? I think the Cowboys play well, but something's funny. Something funny is going to happen. Something's going to go against them in this game that kind of brings them back down to earth. And – They wind up leaving, you know, Minnesota at five and two, which isn't the worst thing in the world considering who they still have on their schedule coming up.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm going to put my faith in DVOA and and just say like, okay, let's just say the team stick with their average, which would say that you're looking at about a 34-24 win for the Cowboys. So that's going to be my prediction this week. And we'll find out late Sunday night how close it is.
1: Another comfortable one for Dallas and the boys after a not so comfortable one two weeks ago against the New England Patriots. Well, that's for oh, uh, go ahead.
2: But yeah, before you go, we may have caught the Patriots on the rise too, because look what they did to the Jets. They took out some frustration against New York. Mm. You, you look back at that. Look at that score.
1: Mm, I quick. saw the score, but it's the Jets. Like
2: It is the Jets, but that 52 points is just, that says to me that Belichick has figured out something with Mac Jones. Yeah. And it could be, it would be, I would love it, frankly, to see New England kind of come back and start challenging people over the AFC because we don't have to worry about them for a long, long time. If we do at all. So.
1: Well, they're three and four and only a game and a half behind the Bills, but their next three games, Chargers, Panthers, Browns.
2: So, okay, so you they they've got to win against the Panthers. And if they got to two of those
1: three, got to win two of those three to get back in. I
2: could see, I could see them beating the Panthers and getting a win over the Browns. Uh, you know, Belichick kind of has a thing about the Browns beating them because of his past history. Uh, And if they play the Chargers close, hmm, that'll be a more,
1: that'll be a more impressive performance. If they can play the Chargers close, then I'll start to believe that they might be on their, on their way up, as you mentioned, but for, uh, for Tom, i'm roy you can hit us up on social media on twitter especially at tom ryle btb you can find me at rw3 and let us know what your predictions are for the score against the minnesota vikings sunday night football the cowboys return to primetime on sunday night football and of course we will have the post game show for you on the youtube channel rj ochoa anchoring that for you as well to get all your instant reactions after the game is over but For Tom, I'm Roy. That's another Thursday in the books. It's go Cowboys, and we'll see you next Thursday. Peace.